0: Good afternoon. A true story. Shortly after my wife and I were married we met a couple overseas. Having become friends we later visited them in Mississippi. This was prior to the civil rights movement. We were invited to dinner but first we went to their land to pick corn with their sharecropper. Afterward, I sat on the dusty ground and helped the sharecropper shuck the corn. We know what shucking the corn is. Our friends immediately became upset, almost incensed since that was his job. They wanted me to stop. At first, I thought they hated this poor man. It became clear that they did not hate him because if he had gotten sick, they would have helped him get better. But when dinner came, they would never have considered allowing him to eat with them. For them, their sharecropper was no more than their pet dog, a piece of property. He was beneath them. Effectively, he was their pet slave. I did not challenge in-your-face racial prejudices in the north because I was a coward. But this was my first observation of it in the more subtle south. My only protest was to ignore our so-called good friends and keep shucking. In today's second reading from Philemon, an unusually brief book in scripture, Paul is faced with something similar while in prison. He is exhorting Philemon, the owner of slave Onesimus, to allow Paul to retain him to spread the gospel. He does not directly condemn slavery, but instead dismantles it when he says, you might have him, Onesimus, back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave A brother. So if you regard me as a partner, welcome him as you would me. Paul is demonstrating Jesus' fundamental teaching of love. Famous Harvard psychologist Gordon Alport in his seminal book, The Nature of Prejudice, defines prejudice as, quote, an antipathy based on faulty and inflexible generalizations felt or expressed toward a group or individual. Psychologically, it is the pursuit of the wrong things to give happiness. The false emotional programs for happiness develop in four centers. Security, sensation, power, and dependence. The last, dependence, can produce an excessive need for reliance on one's family, be it household, race, economic strata, religion, or political party. So we follow the biases of our friends so we can fit in. This misplaced dependence is addressed dramatically with Jesus' over-the-top hyperbole in today's Gospel when he says, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Obviously, Jesus uses hyperbole by using the word hate in order to get our attention. As when we use the colloquialism, how do you get a donkey to cross the road? He first hit it upside the head with a two-by-four to get his attention. Jesus was saying, depend on God only. But how do we do that when we feel prejudice? Recently, when helping give a retreat at a maximum security prison, an inmate approached me in confidence with a question he could never speak about to others in prison for fear of being hurt. He said, how do I deal with my fear whenever I see a policeman of a different race? First, I told him he was not necessarily racist since his unconscious brain was trying to protect him because he probably had a bad experience in the past. Second, I told him the same holds true of a woman who reacts in fear when she sees a man of a different race. Neither she nor he are necessarily racist. This is not a popular answer in today's society, which prides itself in having people labeled by others as racist, homophobes, liars, etc. In effect, they themselves are personifications of the very thing they are condemning. Essentially, they are claiming to be able to climb into someone else's brain and determine intent, which is impossible. They also will conveniently change the definition of words in order to expand the breadth of the groups they condemn, just as psychologist Gordon Alport described. I looked up the word racism, and to my surprise, it no longer refers to just five races, but to people with different economic status, political beliefs, religious affiliations, etc. In effect, those who call others such names have already lost the intellectual debate. Getting back to the inmate discussion, which we left hanging. How can he indeed all of us let go of our prejudices? The answer is implied in today's gospel when Jesus says, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Our ruminating conscious thoughts are one of our prized possessions. And once we let go of them and focus only on God, We free up our unconscious brain to unload its prejudices into our conscious brain. Then we make an informed conscious decision to let go of our prejudices. This is actually much simpler than this apparent psychobabble would imply. When we pray, whether discursively or contemplatively, We become focused only on God, which frees us to allow God to heal us. Some challenges. Do we lovingly intermingle to learn more about other ethnic communities? Do we allow racial slurs to stand and not be challenged because we want to fit in? Can we take Henry David Thoreau's advice when he said, It is never too late to give up our prejudices. In short, can we keep on shucking?